The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. Allison's here, everybody. <laughs> Welcome, Allison. Thank you. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm feeling poked full of holes. Mm-hmm. I had another visit to the ER for yet another rabies vaccine. You liked us so much the first time. <laughs> wow. So um, because of my MS meds, when I got attacked by the raccoon, I actually didn't develop the teeter. Is that what it's called? Well, you, you weren't immune yeah, I didn't develop the resistance. Yeah, that you needed. So. That I needed. So technically, even though I got the rabies vaccine, I didn't get the rabies vaccine. Yeah. So you had to start all over again. Trying to help a neighborhood cat. Trying to be nice. <laughs> and the cat literally bit the hand that fed him. <laughs> Quite literally. Yeah, so I got bit in the hand and we thought it was okay. And then the health department called and said, no, you need to go get rabies shots. So off to the ER I went and was it seven needles? Well, it's going to give away your weight. They do it by weights. <laughs> anyway. If, uh, I'm just saying, if you were 80 pounds, you would have been, been out of there needles. faster. Yeah, than, yeah, well, I'm not. <laughs> and I got shot. The ones that hurt the worst were the, the, the bite is right at the base of my thumb, my right hand. And they had to inject it right around the bite. And that hurt so bad. Ouchie. Yeah. So I have to do the full course again, mm-hmm. like starting over. Like normal people, if you get the rabies shot, you just have to get a booster, basically, if yeah, you get yeah. bitten again or something. But no, I got the whole thing. I got to get the whole thing again. The full suite. Yeah. I think so, you get an extra one for being immunocompromised. I think I do. Yes. <laughs> so. Uh, cats. Uh, I mean. He's a sweetheart. He's a sweet cat. And I was, you know. We wanted I think to he was him. just scared. I was trying to help him. It was very cold at night. I thought, well, we'll bring him in the basement so he won't have to be outside. And I think he just got scared. And. He was sitting on my lap, 
he, which is normally fine. We've he sat on my lap outside tons of times. Mm-hmm. Always been sweet. Never shown any aggression at all. He's sitting on my lap. I just had my hand down there. He just all of a sudden bit me. So uh, rabies shots. It is. <laughs> All right. Tonight I'm going to be talking with Rod, who's going to tell us about some of the Bigfoot research he's done, some of the things he's encountered. We're going to talk a lot about tree structures because I love tree structures. I love the idea of them. I'm fascinated. You like the idea of Bigfoot architects that go to Bigfoot architecture school? Bigfoot artists. They're sculptors. Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah, or, or perhaps magicians. They're making 3D sigils. Okay. I also want to thank at the top of the show, because I keep forgetting to do it, I want to thank Brian M., who sent me analog audio recorders, old school, like Walkman type. Mm -hmm. Because when I was talking with Tyler Strand about digital photography, he brought up some good points about analog photography, which made me think about analog recording and how that might differ from digital recording and might be able to pick up more and or different things with analog recording. So I just asked on the podcast if anybody's got any extra recorders. And Brian sent him along. I've been forgetting to thank him for like three weeks now. So Brian, thank you so much. He also sent me a ghost box. Oh, cool. Yeah, very, very nice. And those will be put to use. I just got some cassettes, the first cassettes I've bought in over 20 years, so I can test them out. We'll put them to use soon enough. So thank you so much, Brian. Patrons, I want to thank you. Thank you for your support. We could not make Strange Familiars without your help. If you like Strange Familiars and you'd like to get extra content and help us make the show at the same time, you can become a patron. Patreon.com slash Strange Familiars. Patrons get weekly episodes, commercial free, plus bonus episodes every month, at least one. Often we do more. To check out all the options, again, go to Patreon.com slash Strange Familiars. There's also an option at Apple Podcasts. It's called Patron of the Strange there, and you also get commercial-free weekly episodes, as well as the exclusive episodes every month. Also, Strange Familiars merch, strangefamiliars.com slash merch. Bunch of pictures of what we have there. If you click on them, it'll take you right to the listings at Etsy. We will have Strange Familiars mugs back in. They sold out so quick. Luckily, they were still having the sale, so we were able to get more. They should be in next week. I did order more this time. So hopefully we'll have Strange Familiars mugs for some time. Also got more of the Bigfoot holding the orb, the cover of Where the Footprints End, Volume 2, and the Bigfoot Big Hearts. We're going to try some of those mugs this time as well. So keep an eye out for those. I'll list them. Nice to have some coffee in the morning with Bigfoot. Right, with a, with a big heart, Bigfoot holding the, the heart. I'd keep- like to think of him as a a loving magician. <laughs> So keep an eye out for those. I'll list them in the Etsy shop as soon as they come in. I'll make posts on Patreon, on Discord, on Facebook, and on Instagram when they're available again. All right, let's go ahead and talk with Rod. I'd like to welcome Rod to Strange Familiars. How are you doing tonight, Rod? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. I know we're going to talk about tree structures and some associated phenomena, but why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your research and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I um, founded Bear County Bigfoot, which is the county that San Antonio is in. 
And I've been doing this for about, uh, gosh, about six years. It kind of happened by accident. I mean, you know, going back to being a, a kid and into adulthood, I, I was always fascinated. And really, I felt like I was a believer from just watching the, the Patty film, you know, when I was a kid, you know, watching In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. You know, like like a lot of other researchers, right? The Patterson-Gimlin film is just, you know, it's the cornerstone of, of the evidence that we have, right? So from that point on, I felt like I was always a believer, really had a good interest in cryptids and also in, in uh, primates as well. So, you know, I followed Diane Fossey and, and Jane Goodall and those types of researchers as well. So going into Bigfoot, I got into it by accident, like I said, with a YouTube channel and it was a gentleman out of Utah and... All of the trace evidence that he presented on his channel was tree structures, wood structures. And, you know, he had footprints as well. And he talked about some of his other encounters that he had had with some of these creatures. So it really got me hooked. That channel that I was watching, I I really binge watched all of it pretty much in one night. I was at home. I was actually on disability, hurt myself at work. So I was going to be out for a little while. And I was on the mend, but still a little, you know, still mobile pretty much. And so I had been bench watched all of this YouTube channel. It blew my mind. To me, when you think of, of Sasquatch and Bigfoot, I think to the person that may be ignorant to the subject, you know, people tend to think, well, that, you know, that's that's Northern California. That's uh, up there in Washington state. And maybe they'll say there's only one out there and that's it. You know, right, right. right. So, you know, looking at it from that perspective, that, that's kind of what I thought. You know, I, I was fascinated, but at the same time, I was uneducated about it. So this gentleman just showed me stuff that I had never seen. Wood structures was one. I had no idea. These pieces of trace evidence were uh, connected in a lot of ways. So when, you know, that was presented to me, I thought, this is crazy. This is, I mean, this is interesting. I, I Like I said, I ended up binge watching all of it. And then the last video that he had was something like, hey, if you think that this is like a hoax or if I'm put you on or you think this is just, you know, weird and crazy talk, I'm going to give you the tools. I'm going to show you how I find my trace evidence. And he narrowed it down to looking for a creek greenway, a prominent one in your area, in your city. It has to make sense. And what I mean by making sense, I mean, it has to have passage in and out of the city or in and out into a bigger area, bigger wooded area where there's a little bit more anchorage, things like that, a little bit more, I guess, thicker areas, things like that. And the habitat has to support big game. So, you know, for us here, we don't have bears. You'll rarely hear about a mountain lion, maybe every few years. We've got the normal stuff, raccoons and possums and things like that. So looking at it from that perspective, I thought, okay, well, I know exactly where to look, number one, and there's plenty of whitetail. And then there's a water source about a mile, two miles away from that creek green belt that I'm talking about. So the next day, after watching that video, and he said, hey, go and look, go and see, basically take what I've told you and get out there and check it out, see what you can find. So that same day, I went out and I took my son with me and we found a wood structure on the same day that we were looking for a wood structure. And I thought to myself, <laughs> I... I you know, and then on, on the video, I, I've got it on video because I've had it for several years. I had to, had to keep it because it's my first one that I found. And sure, yeah. I, I sat there and I said, are you kidding me? I mean, I thought that somebody was putting me on. I thought this was like, um, there's got to be a camera somewhere, people around there, they jump out and they go, ah, you know, <laughs> gotcha, you know, type of thing. And, uh, you know, obviously that didn't happen, but 
I was dumbfounded. I was dumbfounded by it. And I was looking at it actually the other day, looking at the video again and looking at the pieces. They were good sized pieces. We're talking like maybe six foot tall, about maybe about 10 to 12 inches around. And they were smaller pieces as well. It was like an A-frame structure. Inside, it was cleared out. It was just dirt and flat leaves, flat foliage. So it, it appeared that something large or with weight had been in there because everything's compressed. And um, at that time, I didn't really know anything about any of this stuff. I just knew that I found a wood structure like this guy on YouTube did. And I was blown away. So, you know, that got me started. And I want to say every day that I could get out, I was out in the woods from that day on. That was roughly about six years ago around the springtime. So, you know, that got me started on that journey. After that, I met a gentleman that was a well-tenured researcher and he got me kind of started with the Bear County Bigfoot thing as far as getting the Facebook and the social media presence going on. But also he taught me a lot about his experiences and, and you know, showed me some things that I didn't know as far as tree breaks and things that people attribute to the activity of that particular creature. And and then he took it a step further. And one day he asked me if I, he could bring his uh, wildlife biologist friend with him for me to show him what I've gotten. I said, sure, I, I obliged. And I brought that gentleman out and it blew his mind because he had no answer for me on some of this stuff. You know, some of these wood structures he was seeing, he was like, I have no idea what this is about. It looks like something crudely built. And I think at one point he had said that some of it looked kind of uh, like a nesting type of, I guess one of the woodsters look like kind of like a nesting area, like a primate would make. You know, that's kind of one thing I do remember him, him saying. And then I took him to another area where I had found a uh, doe carcass, a white-tailed doe carcass. And she had been pretty much picked clean. There was a little bit of flesh on the bone still. But nevertheless, it was a very odd find because she was broken in half completely. Her back was broken in half and her head was pulled off. The skull had been pulled apart from uh, bottom jaw to top. All four legs were pulled off and they were thrown about everywhere. But what really got me was when he grabbed the, the skeleton and he put it together and I got a good look at the spine and it bowed right in the middle where it snapped. And he said, hey, Rod, he said, check this out. He said, um, something with a lot of force broke this back. I'm like, okay. I'm like, let's play devil's advocate. I'm like, people, homeless person. You know, <laughs> he was like, he's like, this would have to be one badass homeless person to chase down a white tail number one and I'll break her back number two, you know? So we were left again, dumbfounded by some of that evidence I had found. And, and from there, it just, it spiraled into more of the social media presence, but also basically sticking to a lot of the wood structures because that's what I find. And what I've been doing is pinpointing each wilderness park that's connected to this creek. It's a very prominent creek. It's called the Salado Creek. It's in San Antonio. And it has a lot of history with the Native Americans because the Native Americans used it to go in and out of San Antonio. That was their highway. So it made sense. If we have an apex predator in the form of Sasquatch, let's just say, right? And we're looking for habitat that supports big game. This is one creek that does do that. But also, it moves north up into a really big forested area that's dense. And that kind of tied it in for me. What brought it even more, I think, to like uh, me having kind of an epiphany was that that area is what's called the Edwards Underground Aquifer Recharge Zone. That's where San Antonio 
gets their water from an underground aquifer. Well, come to find out, San Antonio sits on top of a huge underground cavern to begin with. And that cavern basically stretches from San Antonio to Austin, which is about, oh gosh, what would you say? About an hour's drive, maybe about 75, 80 miles. Wow. Okay. So I, I was thinking to myself, there's no way, there's no way that the city government knows everything about this underground cavern. There's no way. There's no way they know every nook and cranny of this. So my theory was that this big area was a recharge zone. There's got to be an opening somewhere where I don't know about, or the general public doesn't know, where these things maybe reside underground, and then at night get out, do their hunt up and down the creek, and then go back in underground. And that made sense to me. That made all the sense of the world to me because there is safe passage in and out of the city. So, you know, that's what really got me started. And now currently we're still working on researching that whole Creek Greenway because it stretches north of San Antonio, kind of outside, almost outside of San Antonio, all the way south through San Antonio into other smaller towns going towards South Texas. So you've got a highway that you could basically go in and out of the city with food source, water, everything an apex predator could want basically. So that's where we're currently at right now. And and that's pretty much how I got started. Well, I'm sure if you listen to Strange Familiars, you know, I don't exactly fall on the flesh and blood side of things, but sure. but I can tell you that we have found that to be true. That sort of greenway, that the wooded highways. One local sighting we went on, a young girl saw a creature in her backyard, not far from where I live. And I was kind of like, what? Like, this is a, this, wow. this is a, uh, a, a development essentially. Yeah. Now they lived on the edge of it, but looking at Google satellite, you can find essentially a highway of woods that goes from the Susquehanna river with very few breaks, maybe one farm field or so right to the back of this person's house. Right. So. Okay. And to me, it just makes sense. I know I sound like a broken record saying this, but it really does. It really does. I mean, if we're talking about the, Apex. I don't, I just don't believe that we're the apex predator anymore. I really don't. These creatures are. They really are. They're smart. They're cunning. But they're also opportunistic. And these. And this is based off of encounters, of, uh, sightings that I that I've heard. Sure. On other podcasts as well. Yeah. So, yeah. No, they have know, to be incredibly intelligent. They have absolutely. To, and like even me, like it being like you know the quote unquote woo guy and and whatever that means because <laughs> it, it, essentially it means that I I just won't say what I think they are because I don't know. <laughs> but I will say that when they are here, meaning you know wherever they come from, whether it's from caves, or, you know, they're from from other places here that we don't know about, or from somewhere else. However they do it, and I'm not going to get into that because, like I said, I don't know. Sure. When they're here, they act like natural animals. That is 100% true. So yeah. they would require these things. You know, they would require these places to hide, they, these ways to move about without being seen, et cetera, et cetera. And certainly when people have encounters, that bears it out as well. So we could start at a place of agreement, absolutely, with that. Sure. The tree structures I find incredibly interesting, and I love to compare notes on these. Do you find sort of different styles? Yes, I do. So I've got it down to A-frame, which would, it's obvious they're A-frame. And then you've got your TP. Mm-hmm. And then you've got what I like to call your wigwam structures, which the it's more of a domed or a more of a flat covering kind of mm-hmm. type of style of tree structure. But also you've got your leans. We've got trees that did not grow in that area, 
that have been pulled out of the ground with the root system that are leaned up against another tree. We've got smaller stick leans. And the other thing that I have found that has been a, a constant in most of these wood structures, it has been the fake fire. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's rocks that are fashioned in like what you would if you were going to build a fire in a round shape. And then there's there seems to be some type of kindling, which is moss or, or a little, I guess, tree bark, things like that. But nothing's ever lit. Nothing is ever burnt. It is just fresh. Wow. that's you, you just gave me chills because we found one of those. Did you see that? Okay. So that is something that I see all the time. All the time. We found one and, and I was with Chad and he was like, oh, fire ring. And then he starts thinking, around, he's like, well, there's no carbon. Like there's no, there's never been a fire here. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you this, just to kind of, I guess, just to maybe open a discussion for a little bit more in depth with the whole woo thing, I tend to believe they're flesh and blood, but here's my rule of thumb that I follow. I tell myself, if you are open to some of it, you have to be open to all of it because here's the thing. We don't know. We right. don't know. Right. Right. So I can't sit there and tell you, hey, man, you're wrong because I, I don't know either. Right. I still feel like I'm a student and I'm going to be a student probably till the day I die because a lot of this stuff, we may not find the answers. Yeah. We're not getting you know? the answers. I, I mean, I'd yeah. love it if we did, but I, I my heart yeah. says like, nah, not in our lifetime, but maybe, maybe, maybe. You know, I'm open we, to it. Uh, yeah. We don't know. Yeah, exactly. No, I think that's, that's the, the honest place to be. And that's why I like. I say woo half as a joke, but that's where I get thrown because I, you know, I'm kind of like, eh, I just don't feel like it's a flesh and blood thing, but I don't know. Like, I don't, yeah. the true answer is I don't know. And, Absolutely. you know, I'm, I'm open to be proven wrong. It's just, I lean one way, you lean the other and that's totally fine. Right. Like Totally, totally yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But we can talk about these tree structures because they're there and they're not yes. man-made to my knowledge. They're not falls. The thing I've noticed, the really interesting ones that I find a lot here are probably six feet or smaller, usually between four and five feet. And they're woven together. Now, I don't know if this is the kind you refer to as like a wigwam or whatever. So mm -hmm. they could not have fallen this way. Right. They're woven together in such a way that they're actually quite sturdy. And you can pull them apart, but you have to work to pull them apart. And they last a long time. Have you found that? Yes. So there's weaving with the smaller pieces mm -hmm. that are a little bit more flexible a little bit more green. They're not old, so you can't really snap them in half. Right. They, they've got that green core inside them. They're, they're fresh. So I do find that we have a lot of palmetto plants here. And what I have found, and this is not recent, this has kind of been, I see it every once in a while, but what I'll see is a, maybe a palmetto plant that's a few feet away. And what looks to be like something has torn a bunch of those palmetto leaves out of that plant taken those palmetto leaves and has woven maybe little knots or whatever, however they weave it around other tree limbs to fasten that particular branch into the wood structure. That's something that I see as well. The other thing that I see are ball moss. I don't know if you guys have ball moss, which is kind of like a little, it looks like a weird little creature that's kind of spiny looking. It's a, a piece of moss that just grows it's like a host that just hangs out on the tree. It doesn't hurt the tree. Mm -hmm. It just hangs out. But ball moss has been used a lot in some of these tree structures as well. I think to me, kind of like as more coverage or maybe insulation, I'm just guessing. But typically, yeah, I will see some of the weaving happen. And you're right. You know, if I was going to try to knock one of these things down, 
I've got some work ahead of me because yeah, yeah. they put some time and effort into this thing. So, you know, it is not easy to necessarily just go in and start kicking stuff down. It doesn't happen like that. Right. It takes and a little time. More importantly, they couldn't have fallen that way. Things don't fall down and weave themselves together. Like Absolutely. Yeah. They do not. Yeah. You're right. And nor do trees with the root system still attached just come out of nowhere. I mean, I was looking at this the other day. I was looking at a wood structure and I was sitting there going, God, is, and because I have to question myself, I always have to check myself, you know, because if I get too caught up in what I want to believe and what I want to think is happening, I have to sit there and go back. All right, all right let's try and be critical here with my thinking and debunk myself. Mm-hmm. Is it people? And I, I got to the crossroads where I was like, man, is this really people? Is this really people? And then I thought, no, look at these tree pieces. These pieces are like 15 foot trees that are at least maybe 10 to 12 inches around with the root ball system still attached. Who is that strong to pull out a tree like that? Right. Tear it limb from limb and then place it in a TP fashion type of structure. I don't know anybody that's strong. You know, yeah. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. Now there are some people out there who are making like survival shelters and so forth. Mm-hmm. They're usually easy to pick out because they're a lot more close to the sky than these tree structures are. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I I do believe that some of these tree structures that are you know maybe bushcraft people that are doing classes or whatever, they're a lot more uniform. They're yeah. not as crude, mm-hmm. you know, as some of these wood structures that I find. They're a lot more uniform with their pieces. They're a little bit more strategic. To me, I feel I can tell right off the bat more or less. I, I'm knock on wood here. <laughs> I could tell right off the bat uh, that I feel like it's more human made than a cryptid. They're usually more purposeful. I mean, well, to our minds. So, right. right. And that leads me to the next question. What do you think these are for? And this is pure speculation. We don't know. Very good question because honestly, nobody's ever asked me that. <laughs> I believe that some of these are either markers for maybe a group and one of the questions that I, I had gotten from somebody on, I think on Instagram was, this thing isn't big enough for a Sasquatch. And I sat there and I thought, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I got to thinking, you know, these things, these creatures, they have children. They have, uh, uh, there's a mom and there's a dad. You know, there's probably some other family members. Maybe I'm speculating. So I came to, I'm not going to say the conclusion. My theory is that some of these are used for the little ones because they're smaller and what I believe is that these things are built for coverage and possibly protection for the little ones where they can put the little ones inside, go into their hunt, grab their kill, and then pick up the little one and then go back to where they reside. And that's the working theory that I've got. Good naturedly argue with you. Don't you think they're sure. like too open for that? Like too open to the sky to provide any protection and too open on the side where, you know, like if you were essentially using it as a crib in the woods, whatever it was, would just crawl out of it. Sure, sure. You know, that's a good question. And, and I don't have an answer for that. I'll be honest. The only reason why I say that is because I feel most of, well, here, I'll say it, all of the activity, I've got a limb here, all the activity I feel is done at night, hunting, things like that, even mm-hmm. building the wood structure. Because in my six years, I feel like in the areas that I've been to, I would have, and not that that's something that's going to be uh, a common thing to run into one of these creatures, but I was thinking, you know, during the day, I feel like I'm not going to run into one of these things during the day. At night, I'm more likely to maybe get something, maybe uh, some activity going on at night versus the day. 
and that's kind of the way I feel about my areas. I don't know is something that they use for their little ones. That was something that I just speculated sure. that it might yeah. be, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, so. And the reason I came to that is because people were like, oh, they're hunting blinds. People would like assert that, oh, they're, they're, they're Bigfoot hunting blinds. I'd be like, well, wait, hold on. Wait, wait. Right. Wait. Right. Like, A, we don't know. B, that's a piss poor hunting blind. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like, come on. And my opinion keeps changing, right? So, and it's, again, all speculation. I don't know. But I'll look at them and I'll think, like, maybe they're this, maybe they're that. Right. For a while, I was thinking, like, maybe these creatures have a form of religion and these are, like, fetishes or altars or even, like, right. some kind of sigil that they're they're building, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, one thing I tell people is I'm open to hearing everybody. You know, I don't care how far-fetched you may think it is. I want to hear it because you could be right. You could be right. Right. And, I mean, and that's mostly my answer is, yeah, probably you could be right. I, I, I don't know. Well, you know? o- over time, I've changed my, my current theory is, and I'll tell you why this is, because two reasons. But I think now they might mark places where they have encountered us. Mm. And okay. I, I wonder if them encountering us is as important to them as, as it is when, when we encounter them. And the reason I say this is twofold. Uh, one in that place we call Gazoo's Woods, I had seen what I thought was a creature from very far away, probably 200 yards or so. But I, I, I had my eyes on, on this thing and I'm like, boy, that looks like, it really looked like a creature kneeling down. And I took a photo on my phone and we were walking to it. Octavian was with me and he, he showed me a text. He's like, hey, look at this text. I looked away for half a second and I looked back and it was gone. And I yeah. walked to where it was. Because I had my eyes locked on. I said, we were going to walk to this thing. It's either going to stand up and run or we're going to find it's a stump or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. It's, it's, anyway, so I, I walked to where I thought it was then. So it, I looked back, it was gone. And we found a bunch of tree structures. Wow. About six of them. Wow. And the thing about this is the reason we started going to this area is there's a very intense nighttime encounter that's list, listed on the BFRO site. Mm-hmm. And that's why we started going there to, to check it out. The encounter on the on the BFRO lists a uh, a picnic table. They said they were sitting at a picnic table at night when this thing happened. There's only two places in this whole area that has that have picnic tables, so it could have been the other place. But if it was this place, these structures are all right in sight of that picnic table. So if that intense counter, encounter happened there, it's very interesting that these structures are you know right behind that in the wood. Wow. The, the other wow. reason is Chad and I. Chad had a very intense dream, which had nothing to do with Sasquatch in another area and it happened in a specific place and we went back and I said do you know the area that you dreamed about he said yeah I said well I said well let's go there and let's go to that place it was a very specific place in this park Mm -hmm. along this lake and we went there right where he said he had that dream there was a massive tree structure just absolutely massive that neither one of us remembers being there previous to that so very odd very interesting stuff but it started me, it was like, well, maybe they're marking places like where they have encounters with us. I don't know. Again, I don't know. That yeah. could, could be nothing. Yeah. But that's just one of the things. Of course, that doesn't explain the ones that you find, you know, way out in the middle of nowhere where people aren't walking. Right. 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 You right. Know. Yeah. And, yeah, and I'm sure you have found those. I've found those as well, like way off yep. trail. And it's like, what is going on here? Yeah. I have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've found those, those, those structures where I've had to use a machete 
to get through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> and there it is right there. I'm like, wow, this is okay. Here we go. Let's document this. Let's do our due diligence type of thing. So, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There was a documentary on, it was on Amazon, I think. I think I rented it. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it was a group down, I think they were down in Florida and they were finding these massive tree structures and they were um, marking them with GPS mm-hmm. and they found that they correspond with certain constellations. Oh, I think I know which one you're talking. Yeah. It's a short documentary, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you know, that was very interesting and, and very fascinating. Mm-hmm. That would I saw that. Yeah. You have to refresh my memory because I don't remember the, the person that was the researchers involved in that, but it was really cool. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Really interesting stuff. And like I didn't check their math. I don't know how accurate they were, but if it's true, it's incredibly interesting. Very interesting. And I think that people that go in in depth like that, you can't overlook them. There's something that they found that could be significant. I have a friend that is with Small Town Monsters now, and he wrote a book called The Dogman Triangle, a werewolves in Texas. And he basically found an area in Texas where these dog, these you know, alleged dogman sightings are happening, and it forms like a triangle, so to speak. And there was some significance to that. And I don't know exactly in depth because he's he's a really deep dude, and kind of it goes over my head a little bit, but. But yeah, no, I mean, stuff like that, I can't discredit. I have to pay attention to because there's something to it. There's something that they found that was significant to them. And hey, it may not be on my wavelength, but I have to be open to it. You know? Yeah. So you caught some pretty interesting audio. Was that near one of these structures? Yeah. Yeah. Is it okay to play that? Yeah, absolutely. Play it. Okay. Let's go ahead and play that now. And then we'll come back and talk about it. All right. So when I listened to that, at first I thought they were thuds. And then I thought, wait a minute, are those huffs? And you told me you think that's what they are. Yeah. I feel like they were. And I was bouncing off of, I wanted other well uh, tenured podcasters like yourself and other people that are pretty well noted in the the Sasquatch Bigfoot area uh, community, I guess. And I bounced it off of one gentleman and he immediately said, that sounds like an ape. And I'm like, okay, cool. 
all right. I bounced it off to another person. And my other friend was like, hey, um, let's go through some of the usual suspects. Do you have this animal? Okay, yeah, we do. Do you have this animal? Yeah, we do. Do you have this? No, we don't. She's like, it, you know, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. He's running through all of the options here before he came to the point where he was like, you know, I don't know. It's very rhythmic and it's throwing me off. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, it seems like there's a, a rhythm to these huffs. They're deep and resonant too. I feel. And they are. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I tell people like, you know, when I, when I throw this stuff out and I haven't thrown this out on social media yet because I wanted to actually share it with you. And then I wanted to you know, share it with a couple other people before I threw it out there just to kind of get some feedback. And to me, it sounded deep and it sounded like puffs. And to me, it sounded almost primate-like in a, in a, in a way. And yeah. there's actually a few more that I've got that I haven't released yet. I'm going to go in and kind of uh, isolate those clips in it and hopefully release those as well. But that area was an area, if you want to hear the backstory on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please. So this is what happened. <laughs> Me, my wife, and my youngest daughter, she's 14. We went into this uh, wilderness park and it's lo and behold, it's connected by the same creek. And I told myself, Rod, just shut it off. Shut off the Bigfoot stuff. It's family time. We don't need to be looking at stuff. Just just shut it off. Well, I can't. I found that out. <laughs> so we're we're in the park and and we're in this really nice grassy area, just enjoying the day. It's beautiful and you know things like that. My daughter finds a trackway, and she says, "Hey, hey, there's a trackway over here. There's a trackway over here." And I'm thinking, "Oh, that's cute. You know, whatever." She's she's trying to, he's trying to be a researcher like dad. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "No, no, no, don't look, look." And I'm like, "Okay." So I went over there. Lo and behold, it's a linear trackway of footprints. And I thought, oh, okay, this is weird. We've got something. We follow the trackway down into a holler. Were these castable or were they just sort of? These were not castable. They were surfaced. And and I'll tell you the reason why. Because a lot of people have said, well, you saw footprints. Why don't you cast them? Well, South Texas has hard pan ground. We have hard, hard ground. We have a layer of bedrock underneath our soil. So it's sometimes it's tough to really get a castable print. I've got two prints that I've casted, and that's because they were deep enough to do it. But most of the time, it's going to be just kind of an outline right. of, of prints. I found this as well, and I tell people it's, it's like finding castable tracks is actually very, very rare. Very rare. Very, yeah. You're absolutely right. And so, in fact, Michael Freeman, Paul Freeman's son, had sent me a couple of casts replica casts from Paul's findings. And I like to use those sometimes in contrast to what I have, because you can see I've got one cast with, from Paul, from Michael, that's got dermal ridging on it, which is cool. Yeah. But you, you may not find that here because we've got hard ground in South Texas. So, you know, I like to use that in contrast. But and anyway, we followed this trackway down into a holler. And right as we get into this holler, there's about six wood structures they are grand in stature. And I'm like sitting there freaking out going, you've got to be kidding me. This is crazy. Like we were looking at these and we were marveling at them. And I was like, wow, I couldn't believe it. So at that time it was becoming uh, kind of dusky. It was getting a little dark. And at that point in time, my daughter was like, we need to leave now. We need to leave now. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Let me just look at all this. You know, me being the guy. So hold on, hold on a minute. 
She's like, no, we got to leave. We got to leave. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why are you freaking out? She says, I feel like there's something watching me and it doesn't feel good. And I'm like, okay, all right, we got to go. So right as I started leaving, I found a, I guess, I don't even, it's weird. It's hard to explain. It's like a three-toed print that I barely looked down, that barely caught, and I snapped a couple of photos of it. And that ended up being in the Small Town Monsters book, Dogman Triangle, that I just mentioned previous. And they used that because they thought it was a very interesting three-toed print that lined up apparently with, or allegedly, should I say, with a dogman prints that had been found in Texas. So I took snap, to snap some pictures of that. So I thought, you know, I'm coming back. So when I came back, I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to record and document these structures like I usually do with my video and, and, and photos, but I'm going to deploy an audio recorder in this area. And so I found a tree stump that was hollowed out and it was yeah, probably about maybe two feet tall, something like that. And I fixed it in there and I, I put some twigs kind of around it just to kind of camouflage it a little bit. And I set it to record for 24 hours and retrieved it, you know, right after I got out of uh, work in the evening and came back. Me and my wife sat down or sat <laughs> laid in bed with our headphones on <laughs> listening to this audio, which is tedious, by the way. <laughs> and so... One thing that came up, the first one that came up was those huffs that, that I sent to you. That was the first one after about uh, three hours of listening to this audio. We heard that and I freaked out because I was not expecting to hear anything. There's some part of that recording where you hear footsteps, right? And then you hear branches being moved around and it's quiet. It's dead quiet. And the one thing uh, that you have to... I guess, well, maybe maybe not in that particular clip, but when I release more, the one thing to take note of is that there are no bugs sounding off, no crickets. It's dead quiet when these things show up. Dead quiet, right? And so when that happened, I thought, okay, something's going on. And then those huffs happened and that blew me away. And I thought, oh, okay, let me go through the usual suspects here. What could it be? Is it a dog? Is it a white-tailed buck? I know what white-tailed bucks sound like during rut season. When, they, when they're confrontational, it is not like that. It is more nasally, and it sounds like you know they're just blowing air through their nose type of thing. This was lower, mm -hmm. and it was deep, and there's nothing. There's nothing in and around San Antonio, animal-wise, that can make that noise. So, uh, again, the jury's out, but it's very interesting vocal. It really is. Yeah. Sounds a lot like something we heard. I think it was the first night we went to Harry Springs with Ken. He was, had some activity there. He he took us there first. And wow. uh, we were hearing it. Is it. Ken and I were hearing it down by the creek. And I had the recorder running, but I just couldn't pull it out. But that really reminds me of what we were hearing repeatedly. It just sounded like this, this kind of low, resonant huffing like that. Yeah. And you know what's funny? My wife and I went into a new area that's connected to that creek and it's south side going towards the outskirts of San Antonio. And the only reason why we went there was because a gentleman who uh, sent me a message on Instagram, he didn't want to be named, had told me, hey, Rod, I just wanted to let you know that my daughter was in this area. She has two full grown huskies and she was uh, running on the paved trail in that area. It's a big, big wooded area with 
a fresh spring. The water is flowing there. It's nice and clear. They've got freshwater clams. You've got all the wildlife there. It's really cool. She was running through the paved trail jogging. And she had said, told her dad that something scared her, I mean, to her core. And the dogs, the dogs were scared out of their mind. And usually she said these dogs are protectors. But whatever it was, it projected a vocal at her through some thick brush. And from what she described was that this brush, it physically moved when this thing vocalized at them. It projected at them. Wow. And she freaked out and immediately texted her dad, hey, I got to leave. I'm it. I'm getting out of here. Where My dogs want nothing. Like they just tucked tail and started freaking out. And so she, she, she ran out of there. And so he messaged me and said, hey, um, this is what happened. Here are the texts from my daughter describing what happened. This is the area. Would you be interested in going to check that out? Absolutely. Of course, that's what I, that's what we do, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, I tried to pinpoint the area. I couldn't exactly pinpoint it where it was at. He gave me, you know, some directions. And what we stumbled upon was a really big, vast, thick area with some real, and the only way I can describe it was that it looked like Jurassic Park like plants like these plants were were healthy they were big they were huge it was just crazy it was a really thick area with fresh water running through it plenty of wildlife so my wife and i went through this particular area and right away as we got into i i want to say maybe about half a mile into that area because it's pretty it's pretty vast we started feeling like there was something that was making some noise on a higher ground. So there was a ridge to our right that was probably about, I would say maybe 15 feet up, 20 feet up. It's a ridge. And we were pretty much on the banks, outer banks of that little creek, like little river. And something right away started making some noise and moving the trees up there. You could hear it just moving, walking back and forth. And we stopped and we're like, whoa, what is that? And I'm thinking, okay, white tail. So I'd pull out my camera to try and capture some of this movement. And it was weird. When I when I would try to capture it, it stopped. I put my phone away, it starts back up. And I'm like, well, okay. So that that was baffling to me, number one. So we've got that action going on on the top ridge, right? And then across the little river in this really thick area where there's some really thick underbrush and some nice vegetation, but I feel something thrown at us. I'm just speculating because I didn't see it. All I heard was this huge, loud, like huge. You know, when you throw something large into water, mm-hmm. you can hear it. Oh yeah. This, this thing was, it was good size. And I heard this loud splash and I thought that's gotta be a turtle. Then I sat there and I thought that was deep. Like that was heavy. Like who? what was that? That was weird, right? So that we froze in our tracks there. So I've got this thing up on this top ridge moving around one, and then this other projectile gets thrown into the water. That's huge. Number two, shortly after that, we got two low guttural growls at us on the other side of that, of that little river, on the banks of that river, where kind of on the area where that whatever it was that was throwing at us into the water. And it was like, it's hard to describe. And my wife, we had it happen twice. It was kind of in a row, these two guttural growls, low growls. 
she turned around and looked at me with these huge eyes and said, did you effing hear that? And I'm like, yeah, I heard that. And she was like, what is that? I'm like, I have no idea, but I think we should leave. She's like, yeah, I think we should too. And the best way I can describe this growl was it sounded like an like a, like a bass hit, like on some hip hop music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it resonated. It was low and it was guttural. And it's nothing that I can <laughs> I can emulate or, or, or try to copy. I've never heard anything like it and instilled fear in me right away. And my only thing with that was I got to keep my wife safe. You know, it wasn't like, hey, let me pull up my phone and, and try to record this. You know, it was fight or flight. I had to get my wife out of there. That was my main thing to protect her. We got out and uh, we were just, when we got in the car, we sat there like silent, looking at each other going, what was that? <laughs> we had no idea. So there's something going on in that area. And that's kind of our new research spot, so to speak. We've been returning there to kind of look at the lay of the land, kind of see what else we could find type of thing. But yeah, that's the growl that we had had projected at us. And it was because of that gentleman that uh, messaged me. And so listening to these other growls that are these husks that I got on this audio, it's similar to what I heard out in that other area. Yeah. Now we've heard somewhere between a, a huff and a growl two times I've been there both times, but once with Chad and once with uh, James, who, who used to be on the podcast with me at that area we call Site 7. And this seemed like it was right. I mean, it couldn't have been, but it seemed like it was right in front of us. I mean, I guess it could have, you know, these, I guess, you know, if these things are the, the ninjas that people say they are, there was thick brush right there. And both times it happened, it backed us up, both of us, into the middle of this clearing away from this it was so low and the odd thing is i had recorders running both times and neither time did i capture it really and it was so loud like chad is not easily scared i think i'm pretty good i've gotten pretty used to all this stuff but i'll say chad is less likely to be scared than i am for sure (laughs) and he was like eyes wide looking at me like what was that yeah, so I don't know if it's the same thing you've heard, but it would, like I said, I would call it somewhat like huff-like, but it also had like a growly kind of thing to it. Yeah. Really low. I've tried to do it. I can't do it. I can't get that low. And I can get, yeah. pre- I can get pretty low with my voice, but I can't, I can't get close. And you know what's funny is that, you know, I come from, my background is music. I've toured. My son, who's 18, is now a full-time musician. I've played in a number of bands. And, you know, the genre that I'm in is, is mainly death metal. So I can growl. I can do that stuff. This was nothing like that. Because somebody was, uh, one of my friends was like, hey, man, like, you you could probably do vocals like that. I'm like, no, you have no idea. This is a totally different level. It's totally different. And I will say that when it happens to you, I understand. Because listening to, again, other podcasts, different encounters, or even in different groups on Facebook and you know what have you, you get people that that will talk about their encounter, and of course you've got trolls that are going to ridicule and blah blah blah. But but the, right. the the question is, well, you you didn't record it, you you didn't you didn't pull out your your camera, or your phone, and it's like no, that's the last thing I'm thinking of. Of course, that's yeah. the last thing I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's like oh hey, I might be ripped to shreds, but hey, I'm going to get video of it. You know, hey, there there we go, type of thing. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, it, it just doesn't. 
it, it doesn't work that way. It's it's that's a lot of like you know armchair quarterbacking. I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I've had other people like, yeah, if I, you know, if I ever get out there and there's anything weird in the woods, I'm going to run right at it. <laughs> and I've taken these people to the woods, and we've seen stuff. Now, it ended, this particular thing we saw ended up being deer eye shine. It ended up being nothing, but he didn't yeah. run right at it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yep. Standing behind me is what he was doing. So, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's easy to say, like, you're going to be the bravest guy in the world until you're out yeah. there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to guess that, you know, I could ask you the Sasquatch Chronicles question, what is Bigfoot? Yeah. I'm going to guess you're going to say a flesh and blood creature. That's fine. If you want to elaborate on it, that's fine too. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I may... I'm a uh, faithful follower of Sasquatch Chronicles. Uh, I think Wes is, is I think, one of the most genuine people to me. Um, he's so, he's anyway, been that, a great guy. My experience with him is he's the same guy on and off the air. Oh, man. I've been listening to that podcast for years, and I aspire to be on it one day, hopefully. You know, that question is always on my mind. What is it? And there's a lot of ways I could spin it. I do believe it's a flesh and blood creature that possesses other things that might be uh, supernatural. And this is, again, based off of encounters and sightings that I've heard. But I also believe that there is a spiritual side to it as well. And my personal beliefs are that it could be part of, of Nephilim, the Nephilim, you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where I left it. But I do believe it is a flesh and blood creature. But also, too, I just to add on to that, I think there are different types based on the, the facial structure that people have described, I think they vary from region to region, or we could be talking about a completely different creature, but I do think that there are different types as well. So that's where I stand. So you mentioned Dogman. Do you think Dogman is a natural creature? That's a good question. From other encounters, I've heard of people taking shots at these things and it does nothing to them. So in that regard, if I had to just if you had to nail me down and go, hey man, what is it? I think it's it's a supernatural creature. In yeah, my the, in my opinion, the thing that gets me is that, I mean, some of these encounters I've heard these things have come very like gotten up in people's faces, yeah, and haven't really done anything, yeah, scaring the heck out of people. And yeah. it's like, I don't know. To me, even more than Bigfoot, they have to be something other. Now, what they are, I can't. I you know, I can't tell you that. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Know what, what yeah. They are. And, you know, again, from, from uh, you know, other people that I've heard encounter these creatures, they seem to get a rise out of scaring people. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's something, like, almost like they need that fear reaction. And if we look at it from that perspective, I feel like it's more a, a spiritual battle, good and evil. Mm-hmm. This thing is evil. Evil does not like good, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to try and throw you off your game. And maybe I'm just totally wrong, and and if I am, whatever. But it seems to me that these things really soak up fear. They love fear. They From love the stories, it. yeah, that's that's what that's what I'm getting at. Like, why yeah. would it go through all that trouble to like literally get in somebody's face, and that's that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I think it's it's something to do with the fear. Maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it just yeah. it seems that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they're, Thank you. They're definitely definitely strange things. Are you going to put a recorder out in that area that you got growled at? Yes, I'm going to. I am somebody that when I have a new site that I've been kind of researching, so to speak, and documenting, I take my time. I just don't go out there and just start throwing everything out. 
I have to look at the topography from myself personally. I have to visit it a little bit more to really good a good a sense of the lay of the land, things like that. And that's just me. I'm really weird about stuff like that. <laughs> so like, for instance, the area that I had put out that voice recorder, it took me a few visits to look at those wood structures and document them, you know, and look around and kind of see where this all fits in the grand scheme of things. Does does it fit into that creek greenbelt? Is it is it, how is it connected? And where would there be passage into this area? Because to me, I can't sit there and just go, oh, there's a patch of woods, woods, there's gotta be Sasquatch activity in there. Well, the land has to make sense to me. It really does. And and what I mean makes sense, it has to have passage in and out. If I'm somebody that is gonna go in and hunt, I want to go in and I want a I want a way out. And so for me, I kind of have to look at the lay of the land and really get a good taste, a really good look at for it before I really start deploying my expensive toys out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so. that's what, when we get a new area, it's it's pretty neat because uh, Chad and I are pretty well-oiled machine now, and he he'll immediately start getting maps. He'll be on Google Maps. He'll be getting yes. you know maps going back to the 1800s. He's getting the literal landscape down. I'm all finding history, folklore, you know this and that. Yeah. It, you know together it worked pretty well because you know we try to find out everything we can in every bit and uh yeah. i think that's a great idea i really do i think that's a good idea well we for we, sure we've done it enough together now i think we just we don't even talk about it like i'll be like hey got a, a sighting here and then next thing i know he's sending me maps and i'm looking oh. at folklore and so that's a good partner right there yeah yeah, he, yeah he's he's <laughs> big, we've become very uh well-oiled machine like i said we've, we, we're good together i think in that sense Man, that's but, good man so I, this may or may not make the uh, podcast because it's a little bit deep and nerdy but what kind of recorder are you using i'm using a phillips it's got the two condenser mics that mm-hmm. are crossed mm-hmm. yeah. at the top yeah yeah it picks up some really good good audio so yeah and do you have some kind of dry box when you leave it out at night or you just hope for no rain Ooh, you know what i've been lucky man i've set it out in a like maybe a little plastic bag mm-hmm. and pray to god that nothing happens to those microphones because they're sticking out okay yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out some kind of dry box system. I saw somebody made some really interesting one where they had like the recorder and the dry box and then separate batteries and, you know, everything's so they could leave it in a spot and let it go for a long, long time, like, you know, a month. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, I've gotten asked about game cams and things like that. And I, I do have game cams. I have many game cams. I don't mind deploying them. My thing, and maybe maybe I'm totally off on this, but I don't see a whole lot of success with game cam no. versus an audio recorder where an audio recorder, while it's not visual, I get it, but I can hide it. I can conceal it a lot easier and it's not going to put off infrared where, you know, maybe these things can see it. And, you know, I think my thing on that is I put a game cam up. I don't care how camouflage it is. If you have been in your neighborhood your whole life and you know every nook and cranny, you're going to know something's off about that neighborhood, right? And you're going to sit there and go, that doesn't look right. I'm not going to go near that. You know what I mean? So to me, I kind of looked at it that way and maybe I'll start deploying them maybe a little bit more strategically, but the audio recorder has been, I think, a little bit more successful, at least in capturing strange audio. The phenomena does not like cameras. I don't know yep. what it is. 
I think if you want to kill activity in a place, put up a bunch of cameras. Exactly. I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. yeah. That's why I I don't ever expect, I don't even try anymore. It's all audio okay. for me. I'm I'm all, yeah. I'm very interested in the audio. I think that's where the treasure is going to be. I mean, listen to the Sierra sound. That yes. is gold. Gold. Yes. Gold. Absolutely. No video. Absolutely. No video at all there. We've got clear, we've got a clear language. We've got something, you know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and not human made, whatever that is. It wasn't human. It's not people. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It goes both higher and lower than we can. Yes. So that's, absolutely. yeah. And it's the tapes haven't been futzed with. They're, they've been tested. There, there's something there that's yeah. legit and it's gold and it's just pure audio. And I think Tobe Johnson told me, he said, you know, it's almost like we're not allowed to video this stuff. Whatever that means, I, I kind of find it to be true. So I don't, yeah. I don't try to film anything. I take audio with me everywhere I go on this stuff. And that yeah. audio is almost always running, but video, nah. I've, I've tried to take pictures of some weird lights and stuff. They never come out. I'm not. And, but earlier when I was telling you the thing I saw in Gazoo's Woods that I thought looked like a, a squatch, I did take a picture before walking to it. It's a blob squatch. It's never going to convince anybody. I think I shared it with my patrons. But right. I, I'll never share it publicly because people just laugh. And I would too. I mean, it's nothing. Of it's course. just, it's, it's a blob. But yeah, yeah. I can point to it and say, that's what I saw. That's what it right. looked like to me. And it does look like a very blob squatchy, you know, squatch kneeling down. I mean, like people would legitimately think, well, it kind of does look like that. And I was like, well, yeah, but that's what I saw. That's what I was walking right. towards. And then it wasn't there. And yeah. yeah, I've tried to go back and take the same picture. And it's, it's you know, whatever it was is not there. Yeah, but it's a blob squatch. That's that's all yeah, it is, you know. Yeah, yeah, golly. And I think if I capture anything, it's going to be by accident. You yeah, know? yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Those I, things. Yeah, I don't know if you. Saw, they were talking about on um, Sasquatch Chronicles like, it was a, a while back about that test they did where they gave people a bunch of cameras. I hear about this was a, I think the Olympic Project did it. Oh, maybe I missed that. Okay, uh, yeah, so I, it's super interesting. They gave people the whole group of people a bunch of cameras. Digital mm-hmm. cameras, old, you know, SLR cameras, disposable cameras, every different kind of camera you could imagine. And they had a guy dressed in a goofy Bigfoot suit, like a mm-hmm. goofy Halloween store Bigfoot suit. It was like kind of orangey looking. And they told people, hey, he's going to be out there. Go walk this series of trails. He's out there and and take pictures of him. Mm-hmm. The guy in the Bigfoot suit, you know, he had a radio. He had to like start radioing back and telling people like where he was going to be. Because he said if he he would be like two feet off the trail, and as long as he stood still, people would walk right by him. Wow. This is in a goofy Halloween store Bigfoot. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. One yeah. person got a, a pretty good picture of him throughout the day, and that was an accident. She didn't even know she was taking a picture of him. She said she was taking a picture of like, a, it was like an opening of a rock face or something. I'm not sure. And he happened wow. to be walking by on the other side. Wow. And she didn't even know he was there. And she got she got the best picture all day. And she wasn't even trying to photograph him. Other times, yeah. like they would tell people, okay, he's going to be in this next stretch. He would walk across the trail, and they still couldn't get their cameras up. They were and and photograph him in time. Wow! So this idea that we can get a picture is almost like a dream. Like it's, yeah, it's not going to happen. It's maybe by accident. Perfect timing or by accident. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I believe that fully. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right, Rod. Wow. So, if someone's in your area and they've encountered something and they want to get in touch with you, you want to you want to give your uh, contact info. Yeah, absolutely. I mainly operate through social media. Bear County Bigfoot B E X A R. 
it looks like Bexar, mm-hmm. but it's not. They exercise Bear County Bigfoot on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook as well. You can message me on any one of those platforms and I will get to you. If you're somebody that is maybe on the outskirts of San Antonio, not to worry. I will come right out and investigate as well. So don't worry about just, you know, I guess the notion of, of have to be in San Antonio that no, you could be on the outskirts, smaller towns out outside of, of the county. So that's how to get hold of me. That's that's where I filter everybody because I think social media now is a little bit easier to use with messaging and sure. a little bit more user friendly. Sure. So, yeah. Send me those links. I'll put them in the show notes. Absolutely. And if you get any good stories, you got to share them with Strange Familiars. Hey, man, I'm going to. I, I, right. I had a blast. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks a lot, man. Take care. Here's a skull. People often ask me, does he have so many skulls here? If you're going to sell any? And I'm just like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll sell them eventually. Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night where I'm selling one. This is a big one. Mm-hmm. Not literally like the... Well, I mean, it's a deer skull. So it's, okay. as, it's as big as a deer skull. Okay. But I mean, I was found on Toad Road. Ooh. Yes. So Toad Road is that mysterious creepy place that we started Strange Familiars off with on episodes one, two, and three, and where we go back and frequently visit. This skull is not the skull that was impaled in the path. I often tell that story on this podcast and others. This is another deer skull. I found it last year on Toad Road. So it's got the Toad Road mojo. The Toad Road mojo is the upsell, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so people sell like haunted objects and stuff. Yeah, yeah. you know, you can put question marks all around that because yeah, sure. I think a lot of them are like, I mean, Does, uh, it's often odd when you see somebody on eBay and it's like they they continually have haunted objects they're auctioning off, you know. It's the same people that always you know? have photos that have hair in it. Hair is, works, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah they're putting them, guys, they're putting the hair in the pictures. Right. They have a friend that works at Great Clips. <laughs> so I don't sell haunted objects, but occasionally I will sell an object from a legitimately spooky place, right? Yeah. I can make no claims that this is haunted or it has anything. And here's the thing. Does the haunting convey? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But this is an object from a legitimately spooky place with legitimate paranormal stories associated with it. That's the only claim I can make. You know what I mean? So I think it's got some Toad Road mojo just mm-hmm. of what it is and where it's from. But uh, that's for the, the purchaser to decide. So it's not in perfect condition, but it is a skull from Toad Road. I'll put a photo of that in the show notes. If you click on that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can purchase that and other curiosities of the week, those that are left. Also at Etsy, Strange Familiars t-shirts, patches, stickers, mugs, as soon as they come back in stock. Paracord rosaries. Uh, we've got a few hoodies left. Artwork, originals, and prints are up there. My books and more. Check it out. Our shop name is Lost Grave. If you type in Strange Familiars, you should see our stuff come up. For the special this week, I said we'll be doing a special each week leading up to Christmas. 
I think this is probably the last chance anybody in America has. I think I think if you're out of the U.S., there's probably no chance to order and get it in time I, for Christmas. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I know I just got something from England that was sent last Wednesday. So I, well, mean, I, guess I think it's possible, but there you, would be no guarantee. No guarantee, that, yeah. And, but what I'm going to do is any book, any one of my books that you get from our Etsy shop, write a note with the order and say, you know, I would like a remark or I would like to take advantage of this week's special. And I'll put a remark in it. No extra cost. Don't have to spell remark correctly. We'll know what you mean. <laughs> so it's not going to be a massive sketch. It's going to be a little little sketch, but I'll, I'll sign it and do a little little remark sketch. Bigfoot, an owl, a spider, something. That'll be in effect from now until next episode, whenever that drops. Hopefully we won't be late next week as well. This week we're going to be late. Sorry, I was in the emergency room getting baby <laughs> shots. You remember to include a note with it. So that way I know you heard about it on Strange Familiars, and I'll give you that remark with the signature. Any one of my books. doesn't matter which one. Remark just means a mini drawing, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for those who aren't clear. It's like a little original drawing. Often added to prints, but I add them to books sometimes, too. All right. Well, that's it for this week. We'll be back soon with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, one word, no underscore. For Strange Familiars merch, just go to strangefamiliars.com slash merch. And always you can find us at strangefamiliars.com.
Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.